This is football, a star is born. Jordan Love beats the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of things you could say about that game. I'm gonna say most of them um, very shortly. A lot of news to get to. I'm gonna spend three seconds on this. This is my take, my big old college football take, because I saw a lot of people, NFL people chiming in today. I think Florida State should have gotten in, but if you're mad at college football for being dumb, that's on you. This is what we signed up for. It's like boxing. What was the old line about boxing? Can't fix it, can't kill it? Yep, college football. Guess what? Somebody's going to get screwed next year. Like, it sucks, but that's the history of college football. By the way, when I was, like, born, teams would just randomly play in bowls, and then sports writers would decide who won the national championship. So it's never been a great system. Um, next year will be a little better, I think. Six teams is probably best, but that's it. I'm going to put it off to the side. All right. A um, couple shout-outs I want to do real quick. First is that uh, I just saw this, and it, it sent a chill down my spine. It's from Evan Abrams. Patriots-Steelers total for Thursday night football, 32.5. Lowest over-under of the season, obviously. Tied for the lowest total of any game since 2008. What were you doing in 2008? Lowest total since a Bears-Falcons game in a night game since a Bears-Falcons night game in 2005. Kyle Orton versus Michael Vick. That was 31. So that's what we're talking about. Primetime is going to get the lowest over-under since 2005, since I was in high school. That's what you need to know about those teams. By the way, Kenny Pickett, the report is he's going to miss multiple weeks. That's grim because they need to make a decision on what they have. And that's not about bringing Kenny Pickett back next year. Obviously, that's locked in, but it's about the resources. It's about what you put into his competition next year. You got to see that. That's the most valuable thing you can get is, is more data points on what a quarterback is, an injury that would seriously hamper his December, especially without Matt Canada, is a huge problem. Um, by the way, real quick on that Patriots-Steelers game coming up. Uh, Patriots, first team to lose three straight games despite allowing 10 or fewer points since the Chicago Cardinals in 1938. We're getting all sorts of years in here. We're getting a, the worst primetime game since I was in high school. And we're getting, I don't even know who in my family was born when the Chicago Cardinals did this in 1938. So that's where we are right now. Um, I want to start, obviously, with Jordan Love. Did not anticipate this. Coming into the day, making my notes, uh, I anticipated Eagles Niners no matter what, like Kevin Costner in draft day, writing it down, Eagles Niners no matter what. NFC Blue Bloods, one team made a statement, that's for damn sure. Um, but let's start with the Packers. Sometimes a team clicks in week 13. And I remembered a quote when I was watching this game. And don't shoot the messenger, but it was Dave Gettleman when he was with Carolina. So it was in his, in his, he was, he was in, uh, he was in sicko mode. He was actually bringing good guys in and, and making a Super Bowl with Ron Rivera. Those guys, what a dream team. Um, but we were in his office and he was talking about how the league has gotten younger. Everybody comes in more raw. Now in 2016, this was a bit of a problem because college offenses weren't nearly as uh, similar to NFL offenses as they are now, right? So it used to be there was such a thing as pro-style offense, and then a bunch of teams from the Patriots to the Chiefs to even the Baker Browns um, went out and brought the spread to football, uh, pro football to the point that, that the distinction is more or less gone with the exception of some of these gimmicky offenses. I saw a gimmicky offense in college over the weekend 
on Twitter, on Twitter, it wasn't, they weren't playing a game. And I was just like, I, I don't care about the points. I, I'm like so open-minded. I don't care about the points. I, I just want points to be scored. Um, I, I would not want to run that offense. Like if they scored 50 points against that offense, I would, I would turn in my diploma if I went to any school like that. Um, anyway, all this to say is that Gettleman's point was these guys come in with less practice time in college, certainly less practice time in the offseason of the NFL because of the way the CBA, all that stuff. And, and just the fact that um, there's less reps for backups, all this stuff. And he said there was an old adage in scouting, old scout, old road grader, old adage in scouting that comes from Bill Walsh, which is that you don't know what you have in a player until the end of year two. And he said that two things happened. Number one, because of the way football developed, you need to give a player an extra year. So you need to know at the end of year three now. But at the same time, the way media works, the way owners work, the way other players work, is that there's actually less patience than there was, even if the players are coming in more raw. Now, we can argue about that all day, whether or not the players are coming in more raw. I generally believe in mass they are. Tom Brady seems to. Um, but I don't think it's, a, it's, it's so severe that it's going to ruin the product. But what you can say is you have a competitive advantage if you preach patience. And the takes in the first half of this season, and that goes for being a fan as well, the takes in the first half of this season about Jordan Love and the Packers and Matt LaFleur and Matt LaFleur being a meme because every time you get up on that podium after a five-point loss, he'd say it starts with me. Tonight showed you, and Breer was on midweek, and he said Matt LaFleur never wavered. And that showed you that the patience and the commitment and the lack of wishy-washy, oh, I'm going to trash this player behind his back, happens all the time in NFL circles. By week 13, you start to leak that you didn't really want to, you didn't really want to start him. Oh, I mean, God, look what happened with the Raiders, with Jimmy Garoppolo. They turned on each other immediately and said the, the GM who got fired wanted to draft C.J. Stroud. This happens immediately all the time. The Packers stayed the course. They said, we believe in Jordan Love, and he will do great things. He's not going to be Aaron Rodgers, not going to be Brett Favre, but he's going to be a value and a, a plus for the team, value added for the team. And all of a sudden, you have Jordan Love dealing. You have Matt LaFleur, who, and I know this is a Roger stat, Matt LaFleur is not lost in December as Packers head coach. He's 16-0. Now, I know you're going to joke that you're saying in your car, podcast, equipment, whatever you're saying, whatever you're talking into right now, you're saying, well, January is a problem. Yeah, it is. But we'll get to that when we when we can, okay? Um, the Packers have now won four or five. And only one of those games, by the way, were in December. The Packers scored the most points the Chiefs have allowed in a game this season. And sometimes it's funny because I, I, I for some reason, it's popped into my head. Like the Chiefs are going to be fine. The Chiefs are going to be fine. Best pressure rate in the NFL. Um, studs, young, young players all over the defense who are legitimate studs. They're going to be fine. And this game to me, they're eight and four. This game to me was almost like unlocking somebody else. Like I was once at a U2 concert for some reason. I don't remember why. But Bono was telling this just miserable, torturous story about how the band was formed. And he was talking about how I guess that there were like more guys who showed up at the house to form the band. And so a couple other guys split off into another band. And then like he, he got a ride with his one of his cousins or something on a motorcycle. And he said about the other guys, he was like, sometimes your destiny is to unlock someone else's destiny. And I was like, Bono, that is a really obnoxious thing to say. But 
Sometimes a team plays a game that I don't think you can take much here from the Chiefs. They are still struggling. I think they will figure it out on offense. They got interfered with all over the place. But guess what? They un- they, the Packers unlocked themselves in prime time. And I promise you the Chiefs will not have to worry about them in a Super Bowl anytime soon. But they found their identity. Better than you two in my book. Spotify wrapped, no you two. A lot of Packers podcasts. A lot of good content from that from that team. Um, but I've spent a lot of time around Matt LaFleur. And I understand kind of what he wanted out of this franchise. It's player-led. I think the fact is there's a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and he did, for especially in those MVP seasons, shows you that he kind of can mold around his players. Not every coach, not every assistant, not every GM has had great relationships with Aaron Rodgers. Some of them go out of their way to make sure he's happy. We've seen that in New York. Um, some of them don't. Um, but Matt LaFleur wants it to be player-led. He wants to be adaptable. And I don't think that when we were talking about the quote-unquote Matt LaFleur offense earlier this year, I think people assumed Shanahan, McVay, all that stuff, and that just wasn't – I think he's he's has more variety. Um, not to say that, that, that Shanahan and McVay don't. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't pigeonhole him as, as one guy. Um, I think he's learned a lot from Aaron Rodgers, a lot of West Coast concepts, a lot of I – mean, Aaron Rodgers, the one thing he loved to do was spread out let the defense declare its cadence. Uh, defense declare using his cadence. Um, defense doesn't have to declare its cadence. That's a penalty. Um, and so there was a molding of the playbooks. And that was, that was always what impressed Mike McDaniel, guys like that, when I would talk to them about Matt LaFleur, is that audibles are not a thing that happens in that system. Well, Aaron Rodgers was audible until the cows came home. Like some of the concepts that LaFleur was trotting out were just like Mike, literally Mike McCarthy concepts. There's a lack of ego there. And there's a lack of ego in believing in Jordan Love. And this is not me trying to just make, I'm not trying to say he's, he's Vince Lombardi, even though he did have a better winning percentage than him for a long time. I think he's still one of the highest winning percentage coaches of all time, even with six and six this year. Um, And last year, uh, I think I see a stat like Belichick would have to win like 32 straight games to, to match Matt LaFleur. Probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, I'm not trying to to pump him up. I'm just saying he's an example of a coach that a, a franchise would want to have. And you would trust players with him to put him in a position to succeed, not tie to fit square pegs and round holes, all this stuff. Um, Jordan Love is doing this, as our buddy Bill Barnwell said, with literally the youngest group of receivers and tight ends in NFL history. There were a lot of mental errors the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, that's what happens. If you look at the age-adjusted weight, it was unbelievable how much younger the Packers' offense was than any other team. Unbelievable. Uncharted territory. What the Packers have done with Jordan Love is get him in one of the most advantageous situations of all time, which is backing up Aaron Rodgers, having Aaron Rodgers wanting to tutor you, giving him all the patience in the world, and then believing in him when things went south. I'm not saying Jordan Love is uniquely equipped to thrive in this situation because I think a lot of quarterbacks would. But I also understand, like, look at the, everyone talks about the Kansas City model that has never been tried again for, by most teams where you, you have a, basically a redshirt year for a quarterback and then trot him out in year two. Nobody does that. It worked as well as anything has ever worked. And people were just like, I'm good. Maybe the Packers drafted Jordan Love too early. But also, on the other hand, they need to plan for the fact that Aaron Rodgers might retire at some point. He's getting older. So 
they gave him the infrastructure and it worked. Again, I'm not saying he's going to reach the heights of CJ Stroud, who looks amazing in year one. I don't think he would. He would have looked pretty bad in his rookie year. But we're going around right now declaring Bryce Young's career over. I heard on a podcast, they're like, well, he's going to be a good backup. What are we doing? Jared Goff, Jared Goff had like Andrew Walters type numbers when he was a rookie. Alex Smith did too. Like Alex Smith is a great answer. I'm going to clip it for midweek about, he came on my show a couple of years ago and we talked about how, so basically when Zach Wilson made his debut, Alex Smith was basically the only non-Jet who had that bad of numbers in their debut. This was 2021 and 2020, 2021. Yes. And, um, God, once COVID started, all the years blend together. Um, this Zach Wilson debut year. How about that? And Alex Smith is basically like, we need to save these guys from themselves. And the Packers did. And that's a lesson in patience. That's a lesson in team building. And I don't think that the Packers are going to be a threat in the NFC this year. But I do think they're going to be on the upswing with that kind of roster, that kind of youth, and this kind of trajectory. I'm in on the Packers franchise. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You already know about this because everybody watches. It's going to be one of these games that gets 45 million viewers. Um, the 49ers' 23-point road win in Philadelphia is the largest margin of victory since the merger against the team with the outright best record in the NFL this far into the season. Or in the second half of the season either. Even. Um, this was bully ball. At one point, the Niners, their last five drives, is a five-drive period where they ran 45 plays for 402 yards. At the time, they were up 35-13. Um, this was, so I, I don't, again, I want to be very careful about statement games. The statement that they made today is that the linebackers in Philadelphia can't cover on the second level against Debo Samuel and these yak bros against a player in Debo who leads the NFL in 9.7 with 9.7 yards after catch. And he leads that by a yard and a half per reception. That doesn't make any sense. It should not make any sense. It's basically baking in the fact that he will break the first or second tackle and that the second level can't cover him. Well, guess what? The Eagles linebackers, after their pass rush, it's not a place that is, and I know how much I love Howie Roseman's roster building, but if there's one weakness, it's that, it's at what happens after the pass rush. And if there's one, if there's one strength from a non-roster standpoint that the Eagles have, it's they play situational football as better as well as anybody in, in the sport. In the fourth quarter, they just make plays to win. Winning is a skill. And guess what the Niners did? They decided to not make it close in the fourth quarter. And that, to me, I think it'll be closer if they play in the playoffs. But it shows you some of the personnel deficiencies in just that thing that they want to do. If they're healthy, the Niners want to get yak. And if, if the Eagles are healthy, maybe they'll sign Shaq on it. I guess he's making a decision tomorrow. Um, but the Eagles are not well-equipped to handle that. They're well-equipped to get pressure on the quarterback, which they'll probably do. They'll scheme up some stuff. They'll figure it out. It'll be closer. That's why I said it. Like, I'm not going to declare the rematch over. But that, to me, we always say statement games. And I saw some people say, like, I guess post-game, the Niners talking about how they really needed this. And I saw Brock Purdy say after the game that uh, that basically when he stepped on the field, all I could think about was the the torn ligament that led to Tommy John surgery and that, but he didn't review view this as a revenge game, but it, quote, we needed this game. And I think emotionally, there's no such thing as revenge in the regular season on a playoff loss. It does not happen unless you knock a team out, which obviously the Niners didn't do today. There's no such thing as revenge, but there is a, a treat in saying you can't cover us. And even if you sign Shaq Leonard, you can't cover us. And so it's going to be on the pass rush. It's going to be on the scheme. It's a bad year to break in a new offensive coordinator, uh, excuse me, defensive coordinator. Um, and so 
that to me was the statement. Um, the the Purdy MVP discourse is going to come out of this. There's a stack going around. I, I can't get out of my head that uh, the only four, four, excuse me, three quarterbacks have had four games with three touchdowns and a passer rating above 140 in the same season. So basically four electric perfect games. Tom Brady 07, pretty much the best quarterback we've ever seen to that point. Aaron Rodgers 2011, on par with Brady 2007. And Brock Purdy 2023. And I bet that stat's going to rattle around all week. And we're going to say this... First of all, be careful with those kind of stats. I love them, but I believe the old phrase is that um, stats are like someone you've taken hostage and you can get them to say whatever you'd like. Um, so yes, you can kind of keep coming through and all of a sudden you'll find a stat that says Bryce Young is thriving at one particular thing and you can bake a narrative around that. Um, it's going to take a little more than that, but that stat shows you what level he's playing at. He's had that many games where he is flawless. And the reason the MVP discourse is going to ha- come out of this is because no one's going to take this result seriously. And, I, and don't misunderstand me. I don't think after, I think everyone views the Eagles and the, and the Niners in the same breath in the NFC. And I don't, th- I think the media will reject the notion that the Niners are this much better, even though they absolutely pasted the Cowboys and absolutely pasted the Eagles, we're still going to group them together. That's just the media is afraid to count good teams out. So the whole discourse, it's not going to, I promise, I think there's going to be very little Niners are the best team in football discussion this week. There probably should be a lot of it based on what we saw on Sunday. I think there's going to be very little of it because of the way this game is humbling and narratives reverse course so often and all that stuff. Plus, we've already done, we've already declared like five teams best team in football this year. Plus, the Chiefs are playing like garbage and at some point they'll turn it on and they'll be the best team in football. Um, but we're going to pivot to the Purdy MVP discourse because we have no other talking points as a media people. And I don't think that it's as out of the question as it was. Um, and there are people now saying, well, if you have two in the discussion, you have to have Brock Purdy. I don't disagree. I think it's a little unfair to Purdy that if he is the runaway favorite that we're going to open up Open up the award to non-quarterbacks would be my guess. But that's kind of low on the uh, list of concerns right now for the Niners. Um, I, MVP discussion, especially this early in the season, I, I think we get like three more weeks so we can start seriously talking about it. I think voters are going to have a very, very open mind to the last second. This is not Rodgers runs away with it, Mahomes runs away with it. This is going to be like there might be one really good column written that gets retweeted 400 times and somebody says, oh, that's pretty good, Tari Kill. That's pretty good. Miles Garrett, whatever. Miles Garrett's hurt. But you know, somebody like that where teams need to in the playoffs and somebody makes the case. I think I do not think betting on say it's a quarterback only award. I don't think you can guarantee that this year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're going to get to uh, listener feedback. Before we do, I just want to shout out one person. That's Mike Evans, who had 1,000 yards today. Hit, hit 1,000 yards. He didn't have it all today, but this season. 10 straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Second longest for an NFL player at any point in his career behind Jerry Rice, who only did it 11 times. Like, consistency like that with the kind of quarterbacks? It wasn't all Tom Brady. It wasn't even all Jameis Winston. He was just throwing deep all the time. And Baker Mayfield this year. But it's been some real garbage sometimes. To have that kind of consistency and success, if he was on a, I know this is like such a, Oh, if Mahomes did this, he'll be going crazy type of argument. Like, if he was on a glamorous team in the NFL, people will be talking about him every single week. And maybe he will end up there. Maybe he'll end up in one of those teams for one or two more thousand-yard seasons. Um, All right, last thing. I I put this prompt out on Twitter, and it was better, frankly, than the do you have questions thing because I got 217 responses on what was the biggest what-if of your team season. And I don't want huge things because I did this with a mistake thing a couple weeks ago. Like Tree tweeted at me and said, what if Brandon Staley's defensive scheme worked? <laughs> but like, that's bad. That's a, that's, I love that tweet, but like hope is not a strategy. But like the Anthony Richardson injury is a great one. And it tells you when you see these responses from a franchise, it tells you where they are. Because, I mean, for God's sakes, the broadcast said Shane Steichen is the new sheriff in town after an overtime win today. Those are the vibes with Gardner Minshew. Anthony Richardson was really good when he was able to thrive early in the season. That's the kind of thing that's a legitimate what if. You know, I saw a couple of Bucks fans said, what if Ryan Jensen were the starting center with the Bucks? I don't think that raises their ceiling that much. It makes them more competent, surely. And in that division, anything helps. Got a couple, what if Andre Dillard had been good? Um, what if David Tepper didn't buy the Carolina Panthers? The best Panthers one was what if, and this is from last year, what if Panther, the Panthers had moved Burns over DJ Moore? And reason I'm saying it's from last year is because the Rams offered a huge boatload of picks for Brian Burns and they should have taken it. Could have really helped their franchise. They'd have excess picks instead of no picks. Um, so I think this is a, a what if year because the Jets are just a walking what if. But then it's varying degrees. I mentioned the Chargers. In a year like this year, that team like the Chargers should be a Super Bowl contender. They should not be playing the pro version of the ACC title game against the New England Patriots who are working on getting the best coach of all time fired. And I already had that stat where they're neck and neck with the 38 Chicago Cardinals. So I think that in those sort of years, I default to greatness. Greatness figuring it out. Like when there's no true dominant team in March Madness, I just pick good coaches and I say, eh, they'll figure it out. I'm not even sure how good of a strategy that is. I never actually checked. But like, yeah, Izzo. Izzo will make a run. That sounds right. 
Coach K, he's going to make a run. That sounds right. That's me in 2013 filling out a bunch of office brackets. And so it's a what-if season, and when that happens, two things happen. Number one, fan bases get frustrated to the point of like absolute misery because they see how wide open it is. And number two is the teams who are taking time to figure it out get that time. Chiefs are eight and four. Nobody really breathing down their neck for, for any significant sort of anything other than the bye, and we'll see how that goes. But they're going to win the division because the Broncos didn't figure it out first month of the season, the worst team in football for the first month of the season. The Raiders couldn't do anything, couldn't even unload Devontae Adams at the deadline. And the Chargers have an abysmal coach who's working on getting fired as well. So I don't remember a season like this, where a season has been defined by what-ifs and teams have been defined by what-ifs. Like a couple people said, what if Watson had stayed healthy with the Browns? That's unknowable, but he'd probably be a more competent NFL player than what the Browns have done the last couple of weeks, which led them to losses. Now, Joe Flacco looked a hell of a lot better than those guys. They still lost. By the way, Sean McVay should be like on the short, short, short list of coach of the year. Really should. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a, a what if year. It was fascinating to kind of read these, read these <laughs> different things. Like someone said, what if Jamal Adams didn't come back? What if we didn't heal? They've been a plus for the Seahawks. What a weekend he's had. A um, lot of Panthers, uh, Steelers fans asking if they fired Canada before the season. Handful of those guys. Um, what if Mac Jones never been drafted? But technically he's not from this year. But you know what? Get that anger out. It's a what if year, and I default to good teams. Good franchises when that happens. That's why I still think it's to be the same team that thought in August. Well, I guess the Bengals. The Bengals, <laughs> who I picked to win the Super Bowl. Put them out. But, uh, you know, obviously... Cowboys in the mix, Eagles in the mix, Niners in the mix, Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins on that, that second cut, Lions probably on that second cut as well. Weird game against Saints today. So that's it. Um, that's our Sunday recap. Thank you to Anthony and Miles for hopping on this late. We normally don't do a full show after all the Sunday night games, but this was such an epic matchup. We had to do it. I will see you Tuesday with Daniel Jeremiah. Great episode coming up. He's one of our favorites. This is football.